together. Our walk with God is paramount and that needs to be a daily thing, serving God and communicating with him at home and wherever else we find ourselves. That is our lifestyle. That's who we are as apostolics. It's vital and keeps us going. Definitely that's the case. But it's also imperative that we congregate, worship and pray together with the body of believers too. This needs to be our priority in our lives. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys are the ones here in the evening. But I wanted to reiterate, I felt very strongly this morning to to mention this. The view that surrounding yourself and immersing yourself in in church services is not important is a distorted view. And those that claim this have got it wrong because the church is not even a building. Although this building is necessary and allows us to have services of this caliber due to electricity, lights, heating, cooling, microphones, foldbacks, projectors, children's ministry rooms, etc. The building is not the house of God. We are. The word church comes from that word ecclesia, meaning the called out ones, a body of believers gathering together, God's people congregating together. And that's what we are doing right now. And there is a reason that God wants the ecclesia to gather together. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst. God is pleased and places influence, uh, emphasis and definitely moves in a powerful way amongst his people when we gather together. This is his will. There is a purpose in having church together. The church body together becomes the house of God. It's in the gathering of the people of God that we can feel the presence of God collectively. And could you feel it tonight? Undeniably, we could feel that presence. You know, God was meeting the needs as we walked around of individual people. Everyone had different needs, different things they were praying for. And they were getting a touch from God, a personal touch in the same building. It was like it was contagious. So it's in the gathering of the people of God that we can feel the presence of God collectively with our brothers and sisters in Christ, where one person catches the fire and it becomes contagious. And where one person may have dragged themselves tonight to church, possibly feeling depleted or discouraged, but starts to feel their faith uplifted in the presence of God and amongst the people of God. We're just like this morning And just like this morning when the man of God, Brother Butcher, when he uh, received direction from God and he made some changes to the usual program, and even tonight you did it as well, Brother Butcher, to allow God to move and have his way so that needs are met, lives are changed, and people are restored. Where our faith is uplifted because of the testimonies of others that we can see and feel. A sign of a living church is when you can hear shouts, cries, joy, dancing, singing, speaking in tongues within that service, like we've been hearing today. That's the sign of a living church, a church that is operating in the spirit and presence of God. You can't have noises like that in a service of one on your own at home. That's for sure, right? And how can we minister to people in need if we are having church at home for ourselves? Our sole purpose for church shouldn't be all about me or you anyway, right? And if that was the case, what hope do the lost and dying world have if we can't be there to encourage them because we are busy isolating ourselves in our comfort zones within our four walls and not being amongst people that are full of faith and seeking after God or people that are hungry for more or people that are hurting and need the prayer of the saints 
or people that are lost, weak, at wit's end and need a body of believers to surround them, to pray them through, to be an example to them, to support them, to uplift them. What is the purpose of doing things on our own in our own strength? It doesn't work that way. How can our children catch farm fire if we have isolated them and our loved ones within four walls? I'm not sure if you've encountered this before, but I have spoken to our church about this in the past. And I've noticed that in wider Christendom, maybe due to the quick fix nature of life, you know, microwaves, uh, fast cars, smartphones, you know, the iTechnology, the iGeneration, iPhone, iPod, iPad, me this, me that. Maybe some people come to church with the expectation of what's in it for me? Coming into a service like, oh, I actually didn't receive much out of it. That is not the sole purpose for you to have every single one of your needs met. There are other people that are hurting here. There are people that are seeking salvation. There are people that are wanting to know more about the Lord, wanting the Holy Ghost, that need a healing, that need a touch. It's not all what's in it for me. It's not always about me and it's not always about you. You know, yes, God definitely ministers to our needs. But if we only came to church for our own needs, then we have missed the mark. There's more to having church than that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, his word says, there is liberty. And in the presence of our church family, our church community, that's all of you here, we can strengthen each other, uplift each other, encourage each other, and operate in that liberty together. During today's service, I had felt strongly that God is wanting his church to know that he is not finished with you yet that there is more to come. There are people at Northside who are in need, who are seeking, who are reaching, who are hurting. There are people that are seeking to receive the Holy Ghost, as I mentioned. People that are seeking God's voice and direction for the next stage of their life. There are people that are seeking about their calling or their career or their next chapter. There are people with needs in the house. There are others that are seeking God's face for a healing. Maybe it's emotional healing from scars and wounds that they have been carrying. Or maybe it's possibly a physical, miraculous healing in somebody's body that is needed. There are others that are seeking God for the salvation of unsaved family members, backslidden loved ones, restoration of marriages and relationships. The good news is that God knows this. His word says he is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we are facing. He knows the giants in our lives. He knows the strongholds that have had us bound, the obstacles and hurdles that have tried to derail us. But he is speaking to his church and he is saying, this is not the end of you, of your journey. Nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. What you are praying for, God hears you. What you are seeking for, he knows. What you are longing for, he is aware. He is the one that has given you those godly dreams, visions, and desires that maybe you think have died, that are dormant, that are dead. But God knows. God is the one who wills all to come to repentance and to seek and thirst for more knowledge of him. It's his will that we receive his spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's God's gift for us. 
God is a healer. He's a miracle worker. He's our provider. And his word says in Mark 16, verses 17 to 18, it says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God is in the midst of this place and God wants to fulfill his scripture in our lives today. This is not just for the apostles 2,000 years ago. This is relevant for us, for you at Northside Pentecostal Church. Amen. If you believe that, why don't you just shout unto the Lord? Why don't you declare it, God? I believe. I believe you have something for me. I believe you have something for my family. I believe you have something for my church. You are not finished with me yet. You are not finished with me yet. Amen. While there is life, while there is breath, while you are breathing, God is still working in your life. God wants to continue to mold you, to shape you, to make you just like him, more Christ-like. Do you know, I came to this weekend with a totally different sermon in mind. I wasn't going to mention it, but I am. It was organized. It was completed. I felt like it was polished. It was ready to go. But there was one word that came to me throughout the weekend. But I had my, my thoughts and my perception of how I thought God was going to move or how he was talking to me. And it was just the word. He kept saying that word, speak. God started to confirm it to me throughout the weekend, even as I was ministering uh, to the leaders. And afterwards, I spoke to a few people, and, and there they are, the words just coming out, speak, speak. And I was like, Lord, I've already preached a sermon here called When God Speaks. And that was back in 2021. I don't want to do another sermon that's similar like that. And God was like, you know, trust in me. And today I really felt the Lord telling me, I really truly believe that God wanted me to articulate the word speak directly to the people of Northside Pentecostal Church. Because back in 2021, the sermon was when God speaks. And that was about when God speaks to us and how to adhere to his words and to hear him. This time around, God is saying that it's about time that we stretch forth and speak it out for ourselves. God wants to take us out of our comfort zones, to increase our faith, for us to call things that aren't as though they were. It's about time that we speak life into dead situations, to step out by faith, not to rely on our sight or circumstances around us, but to step out by faith and to reach out, to stretch forth, to give God what we got, all the little we've got, to give it to God and watch his hands at work in our lives. Do you believe that this evening? I think it's about time that we stop acting like beggars and slaves, willing to accept just crumbs off the floor rather than eating at the table of God as his sons and daughters. Do you know what? I am not a slave. That was the past. Jesus has set me free and redeemed me. Amen. I am a child of God. I am a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I refuse to feel or to act like a slave or a beggar. I am his child. We need to know our identity in Christ and who we are in him. God has done and is doing his part in our journey. He speaks to us. He directs us. He uses the pastoral team to minister to us, to pray for us. But now it's time for for us to reach out, to step up, to stretch forth and speak it out. The ball is in your court. The ball is in my court. Let me ask you a few questions. What are you seeking after and believing for? How much do you want it? 
How much are you after that miracle, that deeper walk with God, that healing, that restoration, that next level with God? God is willing. God is able. God is ready. But the ball is in my court and your court. The next step is up to us. He's here. He's presence himself amongst his people. We've seen his hand at work. We've seen the miraculous. That was supernatural. What we were seeing, how just across the building, you just could feel the presence of God. He's here. What are we going to do with that? That saying, that idiom, it's called um, the ball is in our court. If we say that the ball is in someone's court, it means that his or her responsibility to take the next action or decision in a situation. It's the, the next step is it's up to us. This idiom is derived from the sporting world of tennis in the 1960s. So when the ball bounced in the court during a game of tennis, the person must take action and hit the ball to keep the game going. If they were just to let it go, well, the game would stop. They would lose the point. The buck cannot be passed. When it's in my court, I have to respond. When we we are in this thing with the Lord... And we know that the next step is up to us and he's speaking to us and he's saying, what do you want? How much do you want it? The ball is in your court. I want to do everything I can to stretch forth, to reach out to the master and say, God, this is me. This is all I have. Use me for your glory. Lord, I believe you can answer those prayers, those things that have been keeping me up at night. I believe you have something more for me. This is not the end. There is more, but the ball is in my court. What am I going to do with it? God is calling us. He's calling you and I to stretch forth what little that we have, what little faith we've acquired, and to speak Jesus into our situation. If there is a mountain in your life, Jesus is calling you to put your spiritual muscles at work, to exercise your faith, even faith, just the size of a mustard seed, to believe that God will move the mountains in my life and in your life. Max Lucado once stated, don't measure the height of the mountain, ponder on the one who made it. Why are we scared, so scared of those mountains that we see in our lives when we know who created them? Amen? We know who the, the author and finisher of our faith, the creator of everything is here. Why are we so scared? Why are we so fearful of the future, of things that we see, the obstacles in our path when we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords? The victory for what you're praying for cannot and won't come from us. The battle is the Lord's. He's going to give us the victory. But it is up to us to exercise our faith, step out of our comfort zones, reach out and grab a hold of what God has for us. Instead of being passive, He wants us to be assertive and to discern and to act in faith. Faith is not meant to be analyzed, logical, to make sense. Faith is there for us to understand our need for a miracle from our Savior. Hebrews 11, I'll just read a couple of uh, the verses. Obviously, verse 1, now faith is a substance uh, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We've only touched the tip of the iceberg here. Calling things as though they were, even though they aren't. This is faith. Believing for things even when we can't see them with our eyes physically, but we know spiritually that God has the matter at hand. That is faith. 
Verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 is that that book on, uh, that chapter on faith. I'm not going to keep going there. I'll just skip through those. But even I'm thinking of the the woman with the issue of blood in Luke chapter 8. She had that issue for 12 years. She'd been everywhere. She could not be healed. Nobody, no physician could help her. But what did she do? Instead of sitting passively there when Jesus was walking by, what did she do? She stretched forth. She reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And then she was miraculously healed and she was made whole. And that's what it's about, us reaching out by faith. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. And this is talking about the man who had the withered hand. And it says in verse 6, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath, that Jesus entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, whether Jesus would do that, that they might find an accusation against him. They just wanted to frame him. They didn't care that there was someone there that was maimed and not whole. They were just trying to, uh, to, to pick, to nitpick there. But in verse 8 it says, But he knew their thoughts. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man with the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. That's the first thing he said. Get up, stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Then Jesus said unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Jesus was trying to build perspective here. What is more important? Your laws, your culture, your customs, or a move of God, a miracle in the midst. And looking round upon them all, he said unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. He stood, he stretched forth. And he goes on to say how the Pharisees were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do to Jesus. And I think to myself, what would have happened if this man with the withered hand tried to appease the Pharisees and their culture and their expectations? He would have been robbed of his miracle. He would not be whole. He would still be maimed. The Pharisees were not caring about the healing, but they were just thinking of the rules and regulations. And I encourage us today, don't conform to the status quo. When God has something for you in your life, when he is telling you to stand up, to stand up even amongst a storm, in the middle of the storm, he's going to give you the strength to stay standing. He's going to give you the strength to stretch forth. If he's saying stand up, stretch forth, do it. Because you're going to see God's miraculous hand at work in my life and yours when we obey his will. We need to understand that we cannot reason with the supernatural. It's not something that we could analyze. Tonight, we could not analyze it. We could not fabricate it. It was a mighty move of the Spirit of God. And this is what an apostolic church is. This is what they were talking about in the book of Acts. This is Bible. This is church. How God designed it to be. Where there is a move of the Spirit that we can't control, where our programs have to be pushed aside sometimes because we've got to allow God to move in the miraculous. So I want to encourage you, church, to let go and let God do his bit. But we also need to do our part. We are urged to stand up, so to claim our rightful place as his children. I'm no longer going to try and act like a beggar or see myself as a slave. 
I'm not, I'm not in bondage. Amen. I've been set free. Amen. So I'm going to stand up and take my rightful place. You know what? Whatever your past was is in the past. Amen. Jesus' redemptive power has forgiven us. He set us free. Amen. Our identity is not our past. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So next time, you know, you've heard that saying, when the devil reminds you of your past, you can remind him of your future. You are not that person anymore. That person that was sinning, that person that was lost, you've been changed, you've been redeemed, we've been set free. So that first part, God is asking us to take our rightful place and stand and say, I am a son or a daughter of the Most High. I'm no longer what I was labeled in the past. I have a future that is filled with uh, thoughts of eternity and being with Jesus at living a victorious, righteous life for the Lord. So we are urged first to stand up and claim our rightful place. Then we are urged to reach out, to stretch for, reach out into the presence of God. And we saw that this evening. So stand up, then reach out to the presence of God. And then we're urged to stretch forth. And I'll say like that man with the withered hand, to reach out and stretch forth our withered hand and give God every little thing of what we've got. It's probably not much at all. We know it's not much. But if we give him by that act of faith everything that we are, all those things, those dreams, those desires, even the things that we're struggling with, if we give those to the Lord, watch what he does with it. Watch how he makes us whole. And once we've stretched forth, we are to also speak out, speak the name of Jesus over the situation. Speak the name of Jesus, the authority of the name of Jesus in our families, in our lives. Amen. For our healing, for our health. So I'm going to ask you if we can be upstanding. How much do you want it? What are you praying for? Not alluding to God being a genie in a bottle. That's not what it's about. I'm talking about the things that you've been seeking for, the things you've been travailing for. Is it the Holy Ghost? Is it direction? Is it your calling, your ministry, wanting to go deeper? What are you going to do about it? And if the musicians can come, I want to encourage us tonight. God is here in the midst and he's asking for us to stretch forth to reach out, to speak life, to speak the name of Jesus into our situation, to have to step out by faith, not to rely on our own understanding, not to rely on our sight, because that lets us down, but on the supernatural power of his spirit. Hallelujah. As we pray, the altars are open now this evening. Come forward just like the woman with the issue of blood, how she stretched forth, how she reached and touched the hem of his garment. Let's do that act of faith this evening. What is it that you're praying for? How much do you want it? Stretch forth. Speak out. Reach out. He is here in our midst this evening. He is wanting to do the miraculous in your life and mine. Hallelujah.